Welcome to the Evolve Move Play podcast, where we bring you the most interesting and enlightening conversations around movement practice and how you can become the most heroic version of yourself through pursuing movement that's relevant to your nature. This is a podcast that's going to feature some of the top movers in the world, some of the most amazing movement thinkers, and people from fields that are related to movement as far afield as evolutionary theory, strength and conditioning, and everything in between. So if you're interested in movement, Please stick around, and if you like our work and want to support it, please consider supporting us on Patreon because this podcast is completely listener-supported. We don't want to take any advertising. We don't want to interrupt your experience of watching the show. So what really helps us get the best thinkers on, have the time to put these together, have the best quality for you guys as far as audio and video is your support. So please consider supporting us and enjoy the rest of the show. Hello, and welcome back to the Evolve Move Play podcast. Our guest today is Thomas Kudich. Thomas is one of the really very early adopters of parkour before it was really known outside of small communities in France. Um, he got the chance to train directly with David Bell um, and with other members of the early uh, Trusseurs group. Um, he's a guy who's been really well respected in the parkour community as a teacher for a long time. He's not well known through his social media presence and things like that, but people who know about the parkour community know that this is one of the, the best tracers that we've had in the world. Um, it was kind enough to, to, to talk to me about parkour philosophy. So this is a conversation that I originally set up just to have between the two of us. But as I was talking to him, I noticed that kind of some of the stuff we talk about seemed like it would work on a podcast. So I decided to record it. Um, I, I kept more of a conversational tone. This is really specifically an interview that I'm doing with him so that I can get insight into the origins of parkour philosophy and what that philosophy meant. Um, so I conducted this conversation a little bit differently than I would um, a conversation that was more specifically to be an interview. But I thought it was still interesting enough that, um, that it'd be really rewarding. And I think perhaps the, that kind of relaxed atmosphere we're really just sharing with each other is going to be interesting to you guys. And we get deep into the origins of parkour and what it can give to you and, and how it has changed and evolved as it's spread and maybe how we can return it to the most powerful version of itself that existed at its roots. Um, so I think it's a really interesting conversation. I'm really excited to have Thomas on the, on the podcast. And um, yeah, without further ado, enjoy. Thomas Kudich. So you were telling me that um, you've been, you started training when you were 17 years old. And yes. you trained basically for 10 years really intensively in parkour. And then yeah. you kind of hit this crisis period where you lost your motivation. Yeah. Um, and you, you went, you're saying you went to the Pyrenees and just were kind of just training physically there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you came out of that and, uh, and ended up applying for the army and you're saying you, you qualify for special forces. So tell us, did you, so did you end up going into special forces? Yeah, I started the, I started the training there. I, I spent, uh, almost a year there going through training and just before the end of the training, I just decided like, this is not what I want. You know, I'm, I'm, every time I was, uh, like, um, thinking like realizing that this was becoming a reality that I would be soon sent out to 
kill people and do stuff, you know, I felt like this is not me. This is not what I want to do. I, I love the whole like action thing, learning to use a gun and learning tactics and yeah. uh, stealth training and all that. I really love it, but like, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt people, you know, is, and, um, what's at the beginning was like, I felt like it was going to be an adventure. And then as it became more and more real, I felt like that's, I don't want to take that path. You know, it's, it's, it's something really serious and I don't, it's not an adventure anymore, you know? Yeah. Um, so I decided to, to stop and, uh, and yeah, but, but it was a really good experience and I, I realized how close the mindset there is to parkour. Um, cause, uh, well, the parkour mindset came from the army, uh, mm-hmm. at least in part. And, uh, and I, I could like, when I was there, I could really see the, the similarities. I haven't seen any other thing that was so similar to the, to the parkour mindset. Uh, than the special forces it was it was really like surprising how close it is so so what would you say was really similar about it the whole um like mindset of just be ready all the time and uh, don't um like um yeah be ready but in in every sense of the word of not just with obstacles but with everything that makes you uncomfortable uh don't don't think okay uh this is just out of bounds i'm not gonna train this aspect of thing because it makes me scared or it makes me like just uncomfortable in a way that i don't like it you know uh no just be ready all the time because you never know when stuff's gonna happen you know you have to be ready and uh and this mindset that i got from training with david especially but also from from the other guys um it was really the same in, in, in the army. Like there's, there's no, you don't come up with excuses, you know, like if, if you feel uncomfortable, cause I don't know, you're, you're marching all night and you start to be tired or your, your feet hurt or something like this. You, you just learn to not even verbalize it, you know, as you know, everyone's going through the same stuff and that's the way it is. And, uh, and it, it, it's, it starts to build your, 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 your mind you know your the strength of your strength of mind you know because you you start accepting all this as being normal like this this casual discomfort of i'm too hot i'm too cold i'm my my boots hurt or whatever it is you know i'm hungry or i'm, I'm i want to sleep or i don't i don't want to be outside right now or you know all this stuff just because you're forcing yourself through it all the time and not finding excuses and you just learn to see it as normal you know discomfort becomes normal and so it's not really discomfort anymore not not a, not the way it wasn't like at the beginning yeah and this is this is very similar to what i experienced by training with with david and the others there was the same uh, same approach of like don't find excuses just find solutions you know the you feel uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. It's part of it. It's part of the experience. Just work with it. Don't, don't try to shy away from it. You know? Yeah. And, uh, I was talking to Stefan about that. I interviewed him and he, he was talking, well, he, he talked about this in a few of his blog posts about, you know, with David, if you, if you said that you could do something, you had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
this thing of uh, like, don't pretend. There's no pretending. You know, you you say you can do something. You say you want to do something, then then do it. Otherwise, just shut your mouth. You know, don't say anything. Like, there, it's a mix of humility and uh, um, and at the same time being honest. You know, like if if you know you can do something, then you go ahead, say it. Like, be proud of it. Be happy about it. You know, but just don't pretend. You know. Um, that's how you get stronger by being honest with yourself, you know, others. Yeah. But with yourself, most of all, that's actually one of the things that I, I find most profound about parkour is, um, it's a profoundly honest process, right? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's about teaching you to recognize what, what you're really capable of and to not mm-hmm. lie to yourself. I think like, um, you know, I have a, mar- a very strong martial arts background, but I think it's much easier to lie to yourself in martial arts because you so rarely get the opportunity to go a hundred percent. Yeah. You can't test yourself fully. You're always holding yourself back to not hurt yourself, to not hurt your training sp- uh, partners. Yeah. You, can, you can test yourself fully against the obstacles <clears throat> and, uh, and you can set up consequences that are really, really profound, um, but do it in a way where you know that you can accomplish it. And, and if you don't, then, you know, you, you really, you really get a lesson in, uh, in, in not lying to yourself through parkour. Yeah. 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 I guess it's very similar in that aspect. Yeah. So, um, so David had a military background as well. Did he spend some time in the military? A little bit. Yeah. He didn't stay that long. I think he deserted at some point. Cause, um, I think it was back in the time when like every person in France like every man had to go to do this military service thing mm-hmm. so he stayed for a while and then deserted and I, I don't I can't rem- exactly remember where he went after that but maybe that's when he went to India for some time but I'm not sure um, but yeah he did have some military uh, experience and then of course his father Raymond was was in the military firefighters yeah that background um, yeah so then how did you transition into becoming a firefighter? Um, it's always something that tempted me uh, for a long time um, because I like this idea of like using your skills to like apply them to something that's actually really useful, really like yeah. um, benefiting others, you know, not just you. Um, and um yeah, after I left the army, uh, it kind of made sense to move on to that. I, I didn't even, I didn't have anything else that I wanted to really do. And um, this just felt like the right thing because it was like kind of similar to the army spirit, but at the same time without the killing aspect, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it felt, it felt right to do that. It's interesting. I, your name came up recently in one of the threads that I was talking about because people are talking about the, the idea of, um, forgive me, I've, I pronounced this incorrectly, but être fort pour être utile. Être fort pour être utile. Yeah. Be strong to be useful, which, um, yeah. uh, you know, is this, I, so, so let me ask you this, because my understanding is that that, that ethos, uh, that mm-hmm. slogan is from méthode naturelle. Um, yeah. And that that wasn't actually something that that uh, was talked about in the early generations of the parkour community it was something that came on later as people became aware of uh 
of method natural, at least that particular wording. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I know that a lot of people in the parkour community became very uh, inspired by that idea. And it's interesting because I feel like uh, one of the, the really, one thing that probably a lot of us played with was becoming firefighters. I know that I did it as well, or thought about it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, Chris Rowett is a firefighter too, right, Blaine? Yeah, yeah, in London. Yeah. And so it, it has this obvious place where you can take all that physicality you've developed and you can make it relevant and useful in your life. Yeah. And have, how, how has that fulfilled that desire that you've had uh, being a firefighter? Has it given you that outlet? And do you feel like all that training is benefiting the world the way that you would like it to? Um, I'd, I, I'd like to say yes, but I feel that no. <laughs> uh, maybe because where I live, I mean, it's a small place and stuff happens, but it's not like being in Paris where you have these crazy things going on all the time. So maybe for that reason, but also, I don't know. I just like when I was doing parkour, I was always imagining I was in some crazy situation. Like uh, I need to save my life right now, you know, from yeah. some building that was collapsing or whatever it was, you know. Um, and so I just got used to these crazy situations that, and when you're a firefighter, sometimes you'll get situations that are really intense, but most of the time it's not, you, you know. So... I guess, I mean, I guess maybe that's, that's why I trained in the first place. I just wanted to feel like I was in control and, you know, in, in challenging situations. And maybe now, maybe I am in control and that's why they don't feel that challenging. You know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's something I think about. I don't know. But, um, supposed to be. Um, what? Sorry. I think that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, I guess so. But also maybe I'm just delusional. Maybe I just think I'm in control. I'm just not facing the real situation I should be facing. Perhaps. Um, I know um, what comes to mind for me is I, uh, I've spoken a lot with um, one of my uh, uh, self-defense teachers, Rory Miller, and he worked for 10 or 15 years in correctional facilities. So, you know, yeah. far, all of his injuries happened in training and pretty much, you know, the, the most intense experiences as far as uh, the way you're pushing yourself happens in training. And then if you're, if you're really prepared right and you've really done it for a long time, uh, action usually feels routine. Yeah. Uh, recognize yeah, yeah. what needs to be done and you're doing it and you're just acting professionally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And th there's this, uh, I don't know if you have this in English, but in French, uh, especially in the army, you hear a lot. Uh, they say, uh, entraînement difficile, guerre facile, uh, hard training, easy war. Yeah. Uh, it's the kind of, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a, so there's a lot of things that are attributed to, to, uh, to David Bell that I don't know if he actually said, but, uh, one of them that I heard is, you know, Train while crying, and you will win while laughing. <laughs> That's the thing he actually said. I've never heard that ever, no, but maybe. <laughs> I've first seen it attributed to him. There's so much mystery around those early days, especially for us uh, English speakers, right? Um, yeah. You know, kind of the big reason I wanted to talk to you is I'm in this this process of 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 articulating the the philosophy behind evolved new play, and mm -hmm. kind of the inspirations behind all of that. And 
you know, people, people who, who came up in the early generation of parkour on the international scene, uh, yeah. talked a lot about parkour philosophy and the idea that parkour was not a set of techniques. It wasn't, um, a, you know, a bunch of specific skills. It was actually a philosophy that underlie it. But I always felt like the philosophy that people talked about was incoherent, right? It didn't make any sense. Like getting from point A to point B as fast as possible bore like zero resemblance to the way that people actually trained. Yeah. Um, and over the years, I've kind of, the model that I've had in my head is that, uh, there is a philosophy in parkour, but it, it was mostly um, acted out. It wasn't really articulated. It's not like people sat down and <clears throat> went through a formal philosophical process of, of creating this philosophy. They acted it out and then they tried to describe it and they weren't necessarily really articulate. Like most of the guys who started it, in my understanding um, don't come from super educated backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that it was a little garbled. And then you had the problem that, you know, for most of the world uh, that didn't speak French, we were getting a very, uh, very limited kind of understanding of what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have my own kind of idea of what I think it was, but I, I want to ask you, like, did you, when you were practicing, did you feel like you had a really articulated idea of what you were doing? Could you, could you have written out an essay saying what parkour philosophy was and felt satisfied with it? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I didn't have a really, like, precise idea in my mind, but I knew it, like, in general, I just wanted to be strong and I think to feel strong, you know? Um, and parkour um, just felt like it was the perfect thing for this, you know? I think the guys like David and all that, they came from the same mindset of, we want to get stronger, you know, how do we get stronger? Uh, at first, parkour wasn't, wasn't even about jumping around. It wasn't even about movement. It was, it was challenges, you know, it was like, uh, like fighting and stuff like this, you know, like, let's fight together. Let's see, yeah. let's get stronger like this, you know, and then it started to become about challenges. And uh, like, do you think you can jump to that? Or do you think you can grab this branch or whatever? And little by little it became about jumping and then that's when the world caught on and saw oh there's this thing about jumping that people do you know but mm -hmm. it wasn't that you know the mindset didn't wasn't about the jumping it was about getting strong and uh when i met the guys in in lease uh, before parkour became this big thing uh um that's the mindset i discovered and i've like on that first day I met them, I realized, wow, this is exactly what I'm looking for. You know, this, this thing of like challenging yourself and just being, being honest with yourself and facing real situations and like life and death kind of thing, you know, like if you, if you mess up, then you can die, you can get really hurt. You know, there's no, there's no protection. There's no safety. You, you have, it's, it's like, it's reality, you know, it's a real thing. Um, and um, and it felt like it was like answering the questions I I, I was trying to answer. You know, it, it felt the, like the right thing for me. Um, Interesting. Have you ever seen the movie Fight Club? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was 19 years old when I saw the movie Fight Club, and it 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 
probably no other film has ever kind of struck me with the same kind of like that, that, that says something to me about the way that I'm experiencing the world. Yeah. It's really profound. And then uh, I remember a few years later, I went back to it after I'd started training parkour and it felt like it wasn't nearly as profound to me anymore because the answer, the, the question that was asked in fight club, I'd actually found the answer to in parkour which was this idea that uh, we needed a way to challenge ourselves and to grow strong, basically. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It seems like there's this, this desire that you're describing to just confront something so that you can test yourself. Mm-hmm. And that, that was essentially the ethos. So, years ago when I first started teaching you know, I wanted to have a definition of parkour that, um, that I could build my teaching method off of. And so I initially wrote that, you know, the, the common definition, the Wikipedia definition that sort of the community had, had come upon was this, like parkour is the art of over, of, uh, of getting from point A to point B as fast as possible, which is ridiculous because, um, you could just walk or run along, you know, um, it wasn't what we were practicing. Uh, so I, what I wrote was, um, parkour is the discipline of developing the ability to overcome obstacles effectively. And then a few years later I put on, you know, parkour is the art of developing the ability to overcome obstacles effectively and of developing the self through overcoming obstacles. And when Stanet Fon came out here to teach, I was like, I think I, I got it switched. It wasn't the overcoming obstacles that should be the beginning. It was the developing the self that be, should mm-hmm. be the, beginning. the obstacles just serve the cultivation of the self. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back for a second. I just uh, a little scattered here. You, you were kind of in the third generation of parkour practitioners, correct? Um, yeah, like I guess third so. French generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was um, so there was Devin and that that group at the beginning. Then there was uh, Stefan and uh, his brother and a few others. And I arrived maybe, I think, maybe a couple years uh, after Stefan's brother Yuan. So I don't know how long Stefan had been training uh, before that. Maybe uh, maybe also a couple years. So. I don't know. Maybe I arrived four years after Stefan or something like this. Okay. I think I read in, in the book that there was kind of a younger crew of people who were training. It was like you and Johan who weren't training so much with David and Stefan, but training mostly on your own using the method. Yeah. 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 I, I didn't live in, in lease. So um, I had to come over by train or sometimes I cycled to to lease. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh the the first guys who introduced me to to parkour when I was there were uh, Johan and uh, Sebastian Goudeau and uh, another guy called Michael uh, Ramdani and um, they were the three guys I was like training with all the time like they're the guys who introduced me to it and they were the ones I was in contact with and they would like give me some training programs that I could do when I was back home and uh, yeah. um, so sometimes I would a cross path with uh, with David uh, or Stefan or the others, but I didn't really train with them back then. Mm-hmm. And then did you get to a point where you were training with them regularly? 
Uh, yeah, more regularly. Yeah, I, I remember that uh, it was um, around the time that David was starting to have like international projects of uh, yeah. we did the just before the Madagascar thing, you know. Okay. Um, and uh, he, I don't remember how it happened, but we ended up doing one training session together and with the other guys around. And uh, I, maybe for him, it was like a, like a trial thing, you know, to, like to see what I was up to, you know, and uh, yeah. my, like my approach and everything. And he seemed to be happy about it. So that's when he said, like, uh, we're going to do this, uh, this trip Madagascar, if you want to join. And, you know, at that, mo at that moment, I started being part of the, of the group, you know, like there was nothing official. Like he never said, okay, you're in the group now, but that's, kind of how it happened so how long were you kind of training directly with that group um i don't know i mean it's hard to say because it wasn't like a regular thing or anything i was still not living in lease i never lived there so it, i was still coming over like really often mm -hmm. maybe twice a month or something like this um but uh but yeah, it was kind of random, you know, sometimes I wouldn't train with David for a while and then I would see him again because he's very unpredictable. So like you can't really make plans with him. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it just kind of happened naturally, you know, sometimes. And uh, um, so, so it's hard to say how long it lasted. Maybe if, I don't know, a few years, uh, I don't know, three years, four years, something like this. And did you ever train extensively with the Yamakaze? um no uh, just a few times on the during events uh, that's that's where i really started like, talking with them and everything but before that i didn't really know them that much just saw them every now and again doing their stuff yeah i get the impression just a little bit that the the yamakaze approach was less specifically military oriented and that's yeah. more the influence of david and and uh, david and, and raymond uh, yeah 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 um yeah, I the the Yamakasi first there was this this kind of uh, conflict between David and the Yamakasi. So like you could never hear really objective versions of things. You always had the version of the Yamakasi and the version of David. And yeah. because I was hanging around with David's group, then I always had their version. Yeah, I've I've never been like really uh, kind of patriotic about yeah, which yeah. group. I or anything like this you know i just want to get stronger so if i can learn from someone that's the enemy then i'll i'll learn from them you know there's things to learn from everyone so that was kind of my approach um but um but yeah when i was seeing the yamakasi doing their thing it was always more like the artistic aspect of things and uh that was not at all my mindset you know that was not at all my approach that that's not what i was looking for at all you know so uh that's probably why I never completely connected with them. Although I, I've done some training sessions with them since, and uh, like in terms of pushing themselves and things like this, and the the group spirit and things like this, uh, they're really good with that, and I can really relate to that. But most of the techniques and exercises that they do, it's just not my thing. So that's probably why I didn't spend that much time with them. Yeah, yeah. I just ask because I think you know when we're trying to to kind of get at the, what is the philosophy? Where did it come from? You know, mm -hmm. uh, there was maybe something that, that was common to all of them, 
and then there was this little separation um and and i'm I'm curious uh in trying to to kind of articulate uh what the common thing was or maybe what the separations were um but uh let me so let me just go back and just ask again about yep. the, the idea of like if i asked you now like after all these years you, you said the time you spent in parkour um was kind of the most profound changes that you made in yourself in your life and you're not sure that you'll ever be yeah. able to, to find anything else that makes those type of changes in you mm-hmm. um, if you were to articulate what what was the the core of what you're doing what was a philosophy of what you're doing what were you aimed at in that process um, how would you say that now? I, I think it was, um, I think it was all about proving something to myself, you know, that's, that's, that was the, I think that that's where I drew my, uh, my, uh, my passion from like my, my, uh, determination to just keep, keep, uh, pushing harder and all that. Uh, I think it just came from that because I was, I didn't have any confidence when I got into parkour. I was like very shy and very, uh, I don't know. I just didn't trust myself at all, you know? And I was like, I remember at some point when, about the time when I started parkour, like I, I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'm not good at anything. I'm not, I'm not gonna achieve anything but at least I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it like a serious, honest try. I'm not going to find excuses. I'm just going to see how far I can get, you know, and like this, at least I'll know for sure that I can't do anything, you know, because I have tried. And that was the mindset that I started training with, you know, Mm -hmm. and the more I trained, the more I realized that I was empowering myself. I was, I was discovering that, it's not that I was getting stronger. It's just I was discovering my strength, you know, because uh, I, I don't think I don't think strength is completely built. I think it's just discovered. You know, you you realize your strength in situations. You know, uh, you, you 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 um, you draw it from yourself. You don't just magically create it out of thin air. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, I guess I, the more I was pushing, the more I realized, okay, I can actually do things and, uh, I'm actually worth something. I, I can achieve stuff, you know, and, uh, and that just kept me going, you know, I just, I just couldn't give up at that point. It was not even an option anymore, you know, cause I was just realizing how, how good it was making me feel and how much it was making me discover about myself. So like, giving up was absolutely not an option. It was impossible to give up. Mm -hmm. So what, what does it mean to you to be strong? Like you, like, it's funny, we use this word strong, but like the first thing that was like, why not go power lift, right? Like you're going to be as purely strong in the sense of pure physical strength. It's, it's kind of a word that's being used in a very uh, loose way here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it is, I mean, it is a very general thing because you can be strong in so many ways. Um, I think for me, uh, strength has a lot to do with what I was talking about earlier with uh, discomfort in general, you know, being, finding your comfort in discomfort, you know, and whatever it is, whether physical or mental or anything, uh, 
uh, it's like being in situations where you're not in your um, in your comfort zone and still being able to be productive in those situations you know still being able to do what you have to do uh, I, that for me is the core of what strength is about um, that that's that's the the kind of strength that I've been I've been focusing on I've been searching for you know yeah. uh, it's not so much I mean physical strength of course counts and it's also a product of this mindset uh, but on its own it's it's not it's not what I would call strength you know if you if you can do a thousand pull-ups but I don't know you just you, you, you don't want to go out in the rain to train because uh, it's it's cold or you know because um, you don't like to be wet and there's no strength in that you know um so um so yeah i guess it's this combination you need the physical strength you also need the the mental strength and it's this combination of of um of yeah being comfortable in discomfort and 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 uh yeah I've, yeah the i'm trying to think if uh if there's a better way for me to explain yeah, it but it's I think really there's a couple strange. words that that pop to mind one is resilience yeah then, uh or even anti-fragility right what nassim talib would call anti-fragility and the other is resourcefulness right yeah it's it's not simply having the ability to exert force but recognizing and having skillfulness to achieve things yeah um, i'm reading a really great book you might like called uh dexterity on dexterity by um or dexterity and its development by nikolai bernstein but he he breaks down this idea i think that what you're developing in parkour um is more like dexterity right it's more like skillfulness um, but he takes yeah. uh, all these different levels of it and and then he talks about the idea of like being adept and being resourceful um mm -hmm. and i think it's very it's very interesting uh to kind of look at it through these lenses but yeah i like to think about what are what are the words we're using and, and how do we get really clear on this like what are what are we actually after and I, I think it's interesting because you know um one of my former students who's uh one of the best athletes in a lot of ways that i've ever worked with you know he's like won a bunch of parkour competitions it's very i can't get him to come train in the rain and i would say like most people who practice parkour now won't train in the rain uh you know yeah and it, and it seems to me like uh a lot of that mindset that you're describing uh, it doesn't characterize a lot of the parkour community anyway any anymore is that something yeah. you noticed yeah absolutely i completely agree though now i'm i'm very disconnected from the parkour community in general i, I have some friends uh but they're like old school guys so uh, i'm not really connected to the to the modern uh parkour community but from what i see in uh, in videos and events going on and stuff like this um yeah it looks like it's a completely different um thing there's still the jumping there's still uh clearing obstacles and things like this but not at all with the same uh, quest you know that no. that i had or that the other guys had uh, quest uh, I love that idea of the quest you know I think of I actually I almost think of parkour as a, and in what I'm doing with EMP as a quest for meaning right to mm -hmm. to be in a place where you're living a meaningful life through constructing your own character yeah yeah I um 
sorry. We're talking about the the community now. Well, I had this idea recently that I that I liked, which was in in traditional Japanese martial arts, there's this distinction between uh, jutsu and do. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with this? Um, is do like about the 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 method, the mindset behind the the practice? Yeah. So. So jutsu literally means um, like technique or craft. So you can have mm-hmm. a jutsu of like carpentry. You can have a jutsu, yeah. whatever. And and most of the Japanese martial arts, in some sense, they start as jutsu because they were used by professional soldiers, right? Yeah. So jutsu is uh, is um is a means that was trained to soldiers to overcome an armed opponent when they didn't have when they had lost their own weapon. And that yeah. all the all these grappling techniques, they were really specific in their in their application. But then all of a sudden, you didn't have samurai fighting all the time, so you didn't have a purpose for people to really train this. That's obvious, right? Like firefighting techniques, the stuff that you learn in firefighting, um, you learn it specifically because you're going to go use it, right? Mm-hmm. Same in special forces. But most people yeah. in parkour, they're not they're not really learning. They're not, they're not, they don't have a direct endpoint, right? Here's how I make money. Here's how I help people. Here's how I do something with this. Here's how I make the world better with this. We don't have an endpoint like that. That's, that's obvious. Yeah. Um, you know, we can't make a, a couch <laughs> um, with our. Yeah. Uh, so then the same thing happened with the Japanese martial arts where they, you know, they no longer became, were, were directly relevant in the same way, but people found that they, that they did something for them. They helped them become something through practicing them. And then they started mm-hmm. focusing on that. And that's when you have this um, movement from jujitsu to judo, um, from aikijutsu to aiki, aikido. And do means way. It's the same word as dao, right? Like the dao de yeah. chi. And so the idea was that the, the, the movement practices uh, were were ways of cultivating the self. And it seems to me that, uh, that what happened with parkour was it started as a dough, right? It was, Mm -hmm. you, you guys weren't training because you were saying, okay, there's, I'm going to go use this to be a firefighter. I'm going to go use this to, to do this. You were training because it changed who you were in a way that meaningful to you. Yeah. Um, and, the the specific meaning that was attached to that the that you were aimed at was in some degree it was uh i think it seems to me that part of that came really specifically from the struggles of the of the community that that parkour came out of right because so many of these kids were immigrant kids from lower income from broken families and they they had some trauma that they were trying to process through the this right yeah. they, they had this need to to get something different from what to get outside of the little cultural sphere that they were in. Um, but then when the rest of the world saw it, we couldn't see the dough inside the thing. We could only yeah. see the technique. And so they, as it was adopted widely, um, the techniques have been taken and, 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 you know, um, amplified and elaborated yeah. all over the world. Yeah. Uh, but it seems to me that the that the that the underlying philosophy has been um, not 
it hasn't had the same kind of expansion and it hasn't had much penetration into large segments of the community. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think that's a very good analogy with Paco, definitely, it's exactly that. Yeah, so I mean, as a, as a practitioner in those old days, is that, is that something you'd like to see? You know, would it be valuable to you, uh, to you to see that the, that the way of parkour was, was being spread and being, um, being understood? I'm just curious. Um, I, I'd like it for sure, but I've never been too focused on that because when I got into parkour, like no one introduced me to it right away. It was me who decided, okay, I want to get into this. I want to research it. I want to know the guys. I want to discover how they train and what, what their mindset is. And I went to see them, you know, and it was really hard to get in touch with them because there was nothing on the internet. It was, it was impossible to, to find them. And I, I did some new them and things like this, you know, and finally managed to get in touch with them. Um, and and so I went to search for it. It didn't come to me. I went to search for it. Yeah. And, and if I didn't have uh, already this mindset in me, I wouldn't have done all that. I wouldn't have like tried to find them. And then when I found them, I wouldn't kept on going and seeing them and trying to, um, to ask for more training all the time because they only gave to me if I was giving back, you know, if I was, if I was taking in what they were giving and applying it, otherwise they wouldn't have lost a minute with me. Um, and so I, I kind of like, maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of feel like, um, it should stay like this, that if, if people want to find this approach, then they can just find people who've trained like this and learn from them. And if they don't do this, then we shouldn't go to them to give it to them, you know, because that kind of defeats the purpose. It, it that shouldn't be like this. They should come to, to ask for it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but I mean, to me, it does. To me, that's been my approach. Um, and that's why maybe I don't, I don't really do much to perpetuate the, the spirit, although if people come to me, then I, I'm ready to give a lot. Uh, like there's, there's a, a girl here. Uh, there's no money involved or anything like this. She just comes and trains and, and, uh, as long as she's interested, I'll keep teaching her. That's not a problem. Um, and I prefer this kind of approach, uh, rather than going to people and trying to promote something, you know, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, I understand the choice that you made. Uh, I wonder to what degree it can happen the way that it happened for you now. Now that it, it ha- it's like when you found it, you didn't have Instagram, right? You didn't have YouTube. <laughs> the kind of the ecology that allowed this group of young people to find and, and, and pursue this sport is very different now because for one thing, parkour, the dough now has to compete with parkour, the, the jutsu, right? Like people, people don't feel the sense that this is something mysterious that they have to go find, you know, a teacher with the, with a, with a, like a, you know, a deep way because 
they can just go to Instagram and see thousands of clips of it. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me, my answer is more to say, how can we articulate this in such a way that, um, that the people who are seeking it can really recognize it and start practicing the, the, the principles um, and, 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 and recognize that uh, the value in finding the, the real teachers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that's, so I've been, uh, you know, as you know, kind of really digging into this and I'll, I'll kind of, I, I want to break down for you the, my idea of what I think this philosophy was about and, and see how it hits home for you. Um, tested against somebody who, who knows what it was about in the beginning. So I was thinking, I've been writing a lot about this, but you know, when I first discovered parkour, right, I saw one of David's videos, uh, you know, on avance toujours, right. Um, and, yeah. and I was completely hooked. It just utterly inspired me. And I'd grown up as a kid in the woods with lots of opportunities to run and jump and climb. And, and so I, uh, I was intimidated to do it but I had a friend who kind of encouraged me and we started training and it was the combination of like becoming really close friends with this guy. And then we were training two or three days a week. And in the beginning it was really playful, you know, we weren't, you know, we didn't know anything. We weren't doing lots of conditioning. Like we both trained gymnastics. We did uh, conditioning and gymnastics, but uh, we didn't go out and do push-ups or anything. We just did flips off stuff and Mm -hmm. jumped around and climbed and explored our environment. And it was really fun. It was extremely rewarding. Um, and then I remember um, there was a, uh, a definition of parkour that was released through Pawa.ru, um, uh, supposedly by David, maybe, maybe not. Uh, and, you know, the basic, that was the, the idea that parkour was about efficiently getting from one point to another. That was the first time that yeah. we heard that. Uh, mm-hmm. And that flips weren't part of parkour. I remember telling Dane that, and he's like, wait, is that the people who can't flip? Is that what they say? <laughs> Uh, but I, but for whatever reason, it was like the idea that there was something serious about it and that there was a philosophy behind it was meaningful to me. And I wanted yeah. to try to act it out and I wanted to try to engage with it. And so I pushed myself on that path of kind of like, uh, training to be able to co- overcome things really effectively. And at that time there was this big controversy over whether competitions would come into parkour. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was that basically like everyone was competing to put out videos that looked good. Right. And they were competing by doing flips and they're competing by doing this other stuff. And it was like, if the idea of the discipline as I understood at the time was really about being able to overcome things effectively, then how could we test that better than setting up competitions where we ran through it? Yeah. So I, I walked down that path and I, and, and then it was like, I'd always been inspired by professional athletes. And so I started thinking about my training like a professional athlete. I wanted to, to kind of set out goals and accomplish things in the way that, you know, you prepare yourself and win competitions. And I went through a phase of that and, you know, I wasn't super successful, but I was somewhat successful. And then, uh, and then I, I ended up really falling in love with moving around in the trees and, and I, I couldn't. Hold on. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I couldn't motivate myself okay, to go into yeah. the gym to train to to, uh, to 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 be in a competition because all the competitions were in gyms and for me parkour was always about being outside and and I was I was always attracted to yeah. taking myself into nature. I didn't want to even be in the city. I wanted to be in nature. 
from the very beginning, really, or about a year into my practice. And, and so I had these beautiful trees that I had found. And it was like, I could always think, well, I could go in and, and train to compete, or I could go train in these trees. And I always ended up choosing training the trees. So I gave up my goals and I just followed my bliss, basically. And so it was like play, professional, and then back to play in a way. But there was something very philosophical. I was thinking a lot about what I was doing and about what play meant and why we played. Um, mm -hmm. But play ended up, you know, my brand is called Evolve Move Play. It was never the idea that only play is what you need, but, but it was something that people really didn't understand. And then, but I, I went really deep into just not having any form in my training. And that ended up not being satisfying either. And I started getting injured. Uh, and so then I went back to this idea of like having more discipline. It was, a, it was a combination of the playfulness and the exploration, but also the discipline. And, yeah. and I started really articulating the idea that, uh, that, that ultimately the thing that we could sustain our practice and keep us going over the long run was um, the idea of, of cultivating the self, right? I heard this saying that comes out of mountaineering. It's not what the man does to the mountain. It's what the mountain does to the man, right? Okay. Um, and and I, that's what I felt about parkour. It was like, it's not, it's not the jump. It's what the jump does to you. And if you only yeah. make it about the jump, if it's only about the jump, then, then you get to train for a few years because you're not going to be able to do the biggest jumps ever when you're 50. And, and even if yeah. you, you know, even yeah. if you're great today, what's great for you today is going to be like easy for kids 10 years from now. <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. And, and so it was like, okay, well, if it's about self-cultivation, well, what does that mean? Um, and that was around the time that I ran into Jordan Peterson's ideas. And, and it took me a really long time to, to, to digest what he was talking about. But it seemed like to me, ultimately, what he had ended up saying was like perfectly congruent with what I felt like I now understood about what you guys were doing in the, in the beginning of that process and what I had been trying to do. So what that was, as far as I could tell, is basically the idea that we need to confront things in order to grow. And he talks about this idea of the archetypal hero. The world is composed of, of, uh, of chaos, undifferentiated potential and order, the things that we understand and that, that work, that function. And, and a hero is someone who voluntarily confronts chaos and brings something valuable out of it. Mm -hmm. Right? That's why it's the dragon chaos that guards the gold. That's the thing of value. And essentially every time that we were doing a jump, we were, we we're acting out that, like you said, it's a quest. Every jump is like a quest where you're, you're going and you're seeing something that is un it's unformed potential because you don't know it. You haven't done it yet. And it's scary yeah. and it, yeah. and it creates anxiety and you have to process it and you have to learn about yourself more deeply. And then you jump and it's like, for me, it was like the gold that we're creating is our own character, right? It's knowing that we're strong. It's, it's having a process for overcoming things. And uh, I had this insight actually just yesterday that there's also, there's two aspects of this because the, the heroic archetype, as Peterson talks about, is, um, is, is not only the person who confronts chaos and brings good order out of it. It's actually also the person who confronts tyrannical order and brings good chaos into it because um, 
because chaos is overwhelming, um, but it's where everything new comes out of. And yeah. order is comforting, but it's also stultifying, right? It also yeah. is, is tyrannical and oppressive. And, and so there's the myth of the dragon slayer, but there's also the myth of the person who brings the water back to the parched kingdom, right? The waters represent chaos. And, and, and so I had this realization that in some sense, parkour is like a reconceptualization of the city um, and then also nature as a place where you could find these new chaotic potentials, right? That we're, we exist in this world where we're too, where all of the paths have been set for us. And so there's no, uh, there's so much order in the way that we've set out our cities that there's yeah. no stressors to make our bodies strong. Yeah. And so what we, what the, what you happened with parkour is kids said, I need to be strong. I need to be strong. And I, and walking down the sidewalk is not making me strong. It's not allowing me to test my character. It's not allowing me to have these little quests and confrontations. Yeah. So I'm going to reimagine the city as a place where I can do that. And I'm going to see these yeah. new potentials. And so it's this really cool aspect of how we bring these things into it and how we use that as a, as a self-cultivation practice. Um, and so I guess if, if I was to try to say that succinctly, the, the basic idea is, first of all, we want to live a meaningful life, right? And we derive yeah. meaning from proactively doing things, by acting things out. And parkour allows us to examine that process of how we confront something new um, and how we do something creative in an incredibly concrete way. Yeah. So this idea that Peterson's talking about of, of like, clean your room, you know, take responsibility for yourself, bear your cross, confront the dragons and, and become someone you would admire. Um, that to me is acted out physically. It's what was being acted out physically by the early generation of parkour and to some degree by all of us who've done it. So that's my cling. And, uh, and so I want to, you know, I want to make sure that, that guys who, who actually experienced it at the beginning, I'm not missing something. Well, yeah, I mean, I, as you were, um, as you were explaining this, I, I like really recognized the, 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 um, what's the word, the, the, the approach behind Paco as being something like that, because um, we all come like me and David and all, all these people, uh, we all grew in cities. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of disconnected from the from any area where we could be challenged or we could be uh, we we could learn to um, be mindful you know about what's going on about our surroundings or about things that can happen um, but it's at the same time we were not um, we were not happy with that uh, whether because it's boring or because we have this dream of adventure or whatever it is, uh, we felt we needed more. Um, so I guess, yeah, it's kind of what you're saying uh, of um, like bringing that chaos back into something that where, where it's kind of lost, you know, and uh, designed for that, our bodies, our minds. I mean, we've gone through thousands of years of, of, uh, of evolution and going through, situations where everything could be life and death at any time you know and just being safe all the time is something that's very recent 
uh, for human beings. And uh, so I think we're, even though we've grown up in, in something like this, in comfort, uh, our bodies, our minds are not completely tuned for that. You know, we're still, we still have our like primitive instincts and, and uh, desires and uh, aspirations, you know? Um, so I guess it stems a little bit from that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you are a living thing, you, you, you always have to have something that pushes against you because it's the only way you grow strong. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mentioned Rory Miller earlier. He says something like he says, um, there's no growth without friction. Yeah. Right. So if we've smoothed all the, the paths for ourselves and our lives so much, we have to go find that friction somewhere. We have to go find the place where we can push ourselves enough to grow. Yeah, that, I guess that for me, I would sort of sum it up as, you know, parkour in some sense is a quest for meaning. It's a quest to enter a meaningful life. And that's why I like the, like Fight Club is an analogy, right? Uh, yeah. When, when, uh, when the narrator sits down with Tyler Durden and he's, uh, Tyler Durden tells him, you know, we work jobs that we hate to make, uh, to buy things that we don't need to um, impress people we don't like. Yeah. It's like the classic expression of this idea that, that's so common in modern life that, that we feel that our, our lives are meaningless, that our actions are disconnected, that we're disconnected from other people, from, from ourselves, from nature. Um, and that that's really intolerable as much as great as modern life is in many ways. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that what we're, what we're pursuing through parkour is, is to enter into this place of where, where our actions are meaningful and where we grow as human beings through them. Yeah. And so it's, yeah. a, the, it's a quest for meaning through the cultivation of character by challenging. Yeah. Us. Yeah. That would, that's to me, the 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 philosophy of parkour, um, and uh, and it sounds like uh, sounds like I'm not I'm not too far off. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I completely recognize uh, parkour in what you're saying, and I think also parkour is so um, so good at helping people with this because. Uh, like when you're, you're training outside, you can't really completely decide on, on, on what you're going to face, you know, like the obstacles and everything. It's just, it's there and you adapt to it. Like mm -hmm. someone has to climb a mountain, you know, whatever it throws at you, that's what you have to deal with. Um, and, and you can't like, you can't move a tree to make it closer so it's easier or anything like this, like the opposite of what you do in a gym. Um, and I think all these things like this that you can't have complete control over, right, but that you have to adapt to, are are the best in in making you like making you uh, go out of your comfort zone, getting better, getting stronger, and um, and um, and finding that friction that you were talking about, you know, for growth. Yeah, absolutely. So. So if that's what it's all about, my question for you then is, you say it's really changed your life and, and it changed yeah. you in profound ways, but also you say that um, you don't feel the need for it anymore so much. You know, you enjoy to train, but it's not, it's not changing you the way that you, that it was it before. Yeah, but um, 
that's just in regards of with parkour but i still feel that i have this need in my life to push myself in that way you know and to learn more about myself um but um it's just that i don't get it from parkour anymore i guess i mean there's a big aspect of my life that's about traveling i've traveled a lot and gone on like many adventures uh cycling and things like this you know uh throughout the world and um so there, there's i get it through this as well you know and a little bit through climbing not as much as i was saying uh but also i think the more you learn about yourself the more um the more the progress will be uh will be in the details you know um and now like before i was thinking okay i need to push myself i need to get stronger so i'm gonna i'm gonna find jumps you know difficult jumps to do like that was the approach and now maybe it's gonna be something completely different maybe it's gonna be more about um I don't know, just uh, like talking in public if I'm afraid of it or things like this, things that I wouldn't even have thought about in the past, you know, but that now I realize, okay, it's so obvious. I should be strong at this as well. You know, it's not just about like the, the whole uh, adventure thing of doing jumps and like crazy death divine stuff, you know, yeah. it's also about the little things, you know, and the more you, you learn about yourself, the more you know yourself in detail. And so the more you can work on these little details, you know, and uh, once you've explored the general areas that you need to work on, then you can start working on the smaller things. And, uh, and so they might be less obvious uh, to other people, uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, like it's like when you paint something, you know, you have to make the general picture, but then at the end you fill in the little details and those little details, although on their own they seem very insignificant so i feel like i'm in this uh aspect of things now you know it's not so much about the big things; it's more about the little details i don't know if that makes sense no it does make sense it's uh so there's a the, so the first question you know i may have asked is like well what is parkour all about and then if i if i've articulated that it, it's this idea of, of cultivating the self then the question yeah. is um Clearly, it serves some of us some of the time, right? Like, you know, yeah. many of us can say that it, it was really profound. But are we actually utilizing it to that end as well as it could be utilized is my question. And it, are there things that we can do to make it better? Like, um, you know, people, I, I meet lots of young men who say that I was not confident when I started parkour. And now I'm confident. But um, they still don't know how to ask a girl out. Yeah. Right. And that was yeah. probably the biggest reason that they wanted to be confident, but now they're just having so much fun jumping because it makes them feel good that they're not actually yeah. addressing the original problem that they had. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that there's a, there's a trap within physical practices of once you feel comfortable and competent and like you can overcome something in one place, um, it can actually like lead you away from confronting things in other places and you have to take yeah. on, not just the physical practice, but you have to take on the mindset that you're trying to take those lessons from that practice into the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree with you on that. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it's always, uh, I've always tried to push myself in those ways. Uh, like the example of asking a girl, the challenge of having to 
like talk with a girl or something like this, like get a smile, you get a point if you get a smile and if you get a phone number, you get three points or something like this, you know? Uh, it, it was, I think it was stemming from this kind of, uh, of, uh, of um, realization that you're not just strong by, like, I mean, it's not, yeah, not just about strength, but I mean, you're, um, that, yeah, that, that you can easily lose track of what, why you're doing what you're doing why you're doing it in the first place like what void are you trying to fill you know and um and i guess i mean uh sorry i'm trying to formulate in my mind at the same time as i'm saying it so it's not maybe sounding very clear but um it's so easy to just lose track of um of what why you're doing it in the first place but sometimes we don't even know exactly why we're doing it in the first place so that maybe that's also why we lose track of it uh we're just um i don't know like we like i'm afraid to talk to girls therefore i'm gonna go climb a mountain you know it's that kind of thing it, it it's silly when you say it out loud like this but that's often what we do you know we just uh we just move what what we want to work on to another thing that has nothing to do with it, you know? Um, that can be so really yeah, or it can be very misleading. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, I heard, uh, uh, Jordan Peterson said something I really like. He said that the most, the most profound way of procrastinating, the really like most devilish way of procrastinating is to do the second most important thing on your list. Yeah. You're always putting yeah. off, you're always putting off the most important thing, but you're, but you're not putting it off to just do nothing. You're doing something that seems useful. So you get to delude yeah. yourself that you're, you're doing what you need to do, but you're avoiding the things that you most need to do. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I agree. And, uh, and so I just wanted to bring that up at the end of the conversation here, because I think that, uh, that it's really useful for people to understand this broader perspective on it. And that's something that I'm right now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm having these conversations with John Verveke from, uh, the University of Toronto about, uh, about these kind of broader wisdom traditions, but I see parkour as um, and EMP it, as uh, as kind of existing within, ideally existing within a, a kind of ecology of practices that that meditation, contemplation, um, and and recognizing you know maybe it is public speaking, maybe it's like doing some improvisational work, but always looking at it as like this is a place to build the way in which you engage with self-cultivation, but it's about yeah. self-cultivation in the end. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, unfortunately that the line keeps breaking up, so we should probably, uh, I think that's good, good, a good a place to stop as any, but, um, yeah. do you have any, uh, any last comments you want to share with the audience about the early days of parkour and, and how, uh, what you've learned? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of things I could talk about because uh, I didn't really get into the the why I got into travels because I think to me it was very related to my quest with parkour. Yeah. You know, I started like um, expanding into like getting into the real world and uh, not just being in the realm of parkour, but being in the world and maybe applying what I learned through parkour in the world, you know, mm -hmm. and uh so I guess that's why I got into into those travels, into like adventure. Yeah. Traveling. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a big aspect that I could easily talk about for hours, you know. Um, 
but it, it, it goes back to what you were saying about uh, um, don't don't lose track of what you're doing things. What like if you if your mission if your goal is to be a stronger person, then don't just specialize in something. Don't just get strong at something. You might get the illusion that you're strong, uh, but you're you're just strong at one thing. You're just good at one thing. You know you're specialized, and to me that's not really strength. I guess you like either you're strong or you're not strong. You can't just like be specifically strong that's to me that's not my definition of strength you know yeah i like the word virtue virtue right virtue is is you want to cultivate a virtuous character in a broad in a broad sense um so um well maybe we can have that conversation at future time how uh, how traveling uh in her relates with parkour as a way to to cultivate yourself thank you so much for yeah for giving me the time and, and chatting. Um, you're welcome. Uh, is there anything we should promote for you, social media or whatever? You're, you're kind of a quiet guy, yeah. just being a yeah. firefighter in front of them. But, in the um, forest, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I hope I get a chance to come and, uh, and train with you and, uh, and experience it side-by-sides one of these days. You're always welcome here. Yeah, thanks for what you're doing. It's, you're really passionate about what you're doing, and I really, really appreciate that. I really like it. Awesome. It's really, you know as someone who comes from the younger community from the other side of the world to try to, to speak for that is a, yeah. it's, it's important that I make sure that, I, that it's really congruent with what you guys are about. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's, it's appreciated. I wish everyone could have that kind of approach, not just with Paco, but with everything, you know, it's just yeah. uh, questions and searching like genuine questions, not like, not just uh, staying in their little field, but really trying to open up to other things. Um, I really like that. That's really cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Thank you. We'll we'll talk again soon. Talk to you later. Yep. Take care, man. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Evolve Move Play podcast. If you really like the content we're putting out, make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps tremendously in getting the word out about what we're doing. And of course, you really want to support us. You can support us on Patreon. This is a listener-funded podcast. And through your funding, it allows us to have the best equipment and to attract the best guests and build our audience. So we really appreciate it if you do those things. And we look forward to talking to you next time.